This is the Data Privacy Detective. It's November of 2022, and today we're going to consider data breaches. But wait, not in the same way you always read about it and hear about it, the latest, the worst, the most massive. Instead, we're going to think today about whether the enormous attention that we all pay to data breaches is really not a solution and even might be counterproductive. And with us, we have Daniel Solov. And Daniel, you're a professor at George Washington University Law School, and you also run a privacy and security training company that provides training for hundreds of global organizations. And I know because I've attended one you host annually and more than that now, a wonderful conference in our nation's capital about data privacy and security. So thank you very much for joining us in this exploration. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. And I just read a book you published, uh, your co-author was Woodrow Hartzog, called Breached with an exclamation point. And it shows how data breaches are on the increase, uh, seems to be all the time with damages and costs arising. And yet the law continues to focus on punishing companies that themselves really are victims of data breaches. And your book reports this, Rome is in flames and the barbarians have broken through the gate. Well, Daniel, without getting into all the details, how bad is it? And, and, and is it, will it get worse? Well, certainly we've seen uh, since the, the start of uh, the uh, reporting on data breaches where the law in California, the first breach, uh, breach notification law, um, which was passed in 2003. Um, since then, we've seen a parade of breaches. And every year is called by the media, the year of the data breach. And then the next year, it's the year of the data breach again and again and again. Every year seems to surpass the other year in being worse. Uh, and this problem does not seem to be slowing down. It doesn't seem to be getting better. It's getting worse and worse. But yet what we've seen uh, pretty remarkably in the last 15 years, 15 to 20 years, is a lot of law on data breaches, a lot of legislation. All 50 states, D.C. and Puerto Rico, now have breach notification laws. And these laws are now finding their way around the world. The GDPR has a breach notification because the EU certainly doesn't want to be left out in the fun. So and we're getting tougher on how quickly you've got to tell government and all sorts of things. But yet, of the 50 states plus uh, the Commonwealth that you've mentioned, what, there are only several that have robust pretty full spirit data privacy and security laws, but even those aren't complete and we have no federal overarching law. Exactly. And so there's a lot that's missing. And breach notification law, it it really is limited in 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 what it does. And 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 so a breach notification law, it's not a vaccine and it's not a cure. It doesn't prevent data breaches and it doesn't really help fix them. It just notifies that there is one. So it's 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 good Diagnostically, it's good just to say, hey, by the way, this is what's going on. We're having a lot of breaches. But beyond that, it really doesn't actually fix the problem. And I think that for a, a lot of legislatures think, well, if we just pass a breach notification law, data security solved, but but it's not solved. Uh, and breach notification laws are good, but they also have some bad side effects that- Well, uh, they sure and, do. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the company is a victim as well. Now, maybe it caused it. Maybe some employee did something stupid. Maybe it was part of the infrastructure that they had nothing to do with. Maybe like <laughs> the Target uh, situation, it was a contractor who had access to their website. So it's not as though the company sets out to do evil. And yet it, it then becomes the target of private class actions and government action and fines and all the rest, really around the world. That, that, that's your point. And if anything, we know despite 20 years now of the, when data breaches laws have been in place, it's only getting worse. So we're not, we're not dealing with it. So, well, let me ask you this. Companies put enormous emphasis on training employees, pushing uh, data security requirements down their supply chains. And uh, many of us have to sit for a half hour, hour of mandatory testing on, do we know what phishing is, smishing? Is that going to solve the problem? Do we have good training or the problem will go away? Well, loan it won't. Um, I, I, I do believe in training because that's, in fact, what I do. I'm all about education as a professor and also have a training company. I do think training is, is a valuable tool. And it will alone, reduce, uh, reduce some incident, but it won't take care of the problem. Is that but alone, yeah, no. You, and, and, and the problem is that you, you can't, you, it, it's structure. Training is important, but in fact, I, I think a, a lot of companies undermine training. And, and one thing that undermines training is the fact that, um, you know, all this good attempt, I can put all these good tips about how, how you should never click on an email that asks for your login credentials, never click on an email that's asking you to reset something or whatever. And then legitimate companies go out and send the emails that look just like the things I'm trying to teach people not to do and that no legitimate company is going to do. And so this is sort of goes to the holistic point and the fact that we're not holding everyone responsible is that we're expecting people to do certain things. Uh, and then we're undermining all the attempts to try to get them to do them by other companies teaching them the wrong things. And I also think that the system is expecting too much, putting too much of a burden on people. I definitely think people play a role, but we're, we're, asking too much of them uh, that are it's unreasonable what uh, is being asked of, of people to do. It's not reasonable for people to try to figure out if a website's legitimate or not, or if an email is legitimate or not. It, it you know, Yes, people can certainly screen it, but we need help there. And, and there are things I think that, that could be done to help in that regard that aren't being done. And your book certainly reports how even if everybody didn't make a mistake ever again, the problem would still be here. There are problems in the software itself. Or people, uh, most people, oh, there are bugs in the software, you know, without fully understanding what that all means. So there are ways that thieves and data hackers can get in without anybody mistake. You're, you're really saying it's the entire system we have to do. Exactly. And, and that sort of goes to the idea of the holistic data security, that the law is obsessed with the breach. And, and the law would do a lot better if it stopped obsessing over the breach. And by obsessed over the breach, I mean, it, it, it focuses on the organizations that have a breach. And for those organizations, you can almost always find that they did something wrong. You know, they, they could have done something better. They could have patched their software a little bit more. They they could have trained people more. There's always something you could probably find. And you could probably find a lot of fault with a lot of them. But they're just one actor in a larger system. And exactly. But the law almost exclusively pummels them. It'll 
force them to do all the breach notification, which is costly. If then they, they get sued and they have to deal with all these lawsuits and then the regulators come in and they'll put fines on them. And But ultimately, this is just marginally making the pain a little bit worse, but there's just so much they can do. But but there's a lot of other actors out there that are contributing to the problem that essentially get a totally free pass. But right. they are part of this problem. If we compare this to public health, uh, we all are trained to wash our hands through what, 20 seconds is the latest guidance and not to sneeze on somebody else and so on. But if we, COVID would still be here. And, you know, we, we, we need vaccines. We need people doing things. And, and, and that's sort of what you're analogizing this to, that instead of just looking at the people who may make a mistake, and we all can make mistakes, let's face it, uh, let's look holistically. So let, let me ask you this, Daniel. We have things emerging. We have bilateral or multi-factor authentication. I think most of us are getting used to that with our banking and things. We have encryption. Things should be encrypted. We have people giving attention to the the two keys within a system, that uh, uh, the public keys and the private keys and how that could be handled. We have blockchain thinking on maybe this can help. Uh, are, are, what are you seeing in the way of emerging holistic techniques uh, before we, I'll ask you the next set of questions is what the law can do about this. But what are you seeing on the private sector and innovation coming in to, to deal with this holistic? Well, I certainly think you know two-factor authentication is 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 much better than passwords alone. So I think that's definitely an improvement. The FTC has brought a few cases against companies before they had a data breach. Um, because point. of they, they promised reasonable security um, and then didn't deliver on it. I think those are great because it it's before the breach. It it creates incentives for companies to act and do something before having the breach. Because I think it just seems to me so many times that I don't know how many times companies have to you know burn before they learn. Um, and and, and just a moment learned. on the FTC, if I may with you, the FTC, of course, has jurisdiction in general for unfair and deceptive practices. And much of the focus has been on deceptive, as you mentioned. You say uh, your your data is secure with me. If it isn't, you've got to, you've been deceptive. But FTC is also claiming the authority to say this is an unfair practice, not to let people know what's happening to their data. And, that's in court right now in the Kachava case. We'll see how it all comes out. But that's what you're saying. There are things that even a group like the FTC can do in, in this. Yeah, area. absolutely. I think there's a lot the FTC could do. I mean, I think it's starting to do that. I think that, you know, it, it, it can say as a matter of unfairness that, you know, no matter what a company promises for data security, it has to deliver a certain amount of data security. Um, I think if FTC can go after various devices that are made that lack security. I mean, all these uh, Internet of Things devices, you know, especially security cameras, have terrible security. Um, the market does not really uh, address or, or really respond to security. And it's not just affecting the buyer who buys a device that's insecure, but it also affects everybody because these devices can be commandeered by hackers and then used to do denial of service attacks on sites. And so ultimately, it, it, it's a larger social problem and a, a kind of a social menace to have so many devices and apps that are just woeful on their security. And I, I think the FTC could use its authority to crack down on some of that. And, and these are the things we need to start cracking down on. 
uh, more than just the companies that have a breach. Also, manufacturers of software that that create unreasonably insecure software. Um, you know, there are obviously you know standards and and but there are a lot of software that just is is not secure. And uh, unless companies are held accountable for putting that stuff out there, um, they're going to keep putting out software that is not up to standard. And I think that that's a big problem that that we're seeing. Uh, You're saying things- in the in the product liability area, you know, we hold automakers and others responsible if the car is defective. But we, do we do that with software? Yeah, we don't seem to. And it seems like you know, like it's just a free pass. But but why why should that be a, a free pass anymore? Why why should we let them? I mean, imagine if a car company and they, and they they just throw it in the terms of service. Hey, we're not responsible. Imagine the car says, yeah, we're not responsible. The car just might totally blow up on you, and you might go up in a ball of flame. But we're not going to do anything. It's just it's not our fault. You know, whatever. No, we we say, look, you have to have minimum safety standards. Um, you can certainly do more, but there's certain minimum standards, and that you're you're on the hook if if you um, if you have a, a defective car. Uh, and, but we don't do that with software, and obviously we want to get the standard right. I, I don't think we want you know a, a strict liability standard, uh, but I do think we could we could have a a, a standard of, of reasonable security in software and devices and and it shouldn't be the consumers can't go online and figure out you know how secure uh you know some kind of you know smart device is going to be um right. it's just not something that people have the expertise to be able to decide they're going to decide on price and just how cool the thing is uh so that's where i think the law needs to step in and say no you know these devices need to have security uh, and maybe we better look at the limitation of liability. Now, I can understand how in the early days of the Internet is emerging. We we didn't want software makers to go out of business because, uh, you know, they were charged a million dollars for something they sold for fifty nine dollars. But uh, Microsoft is, is grown up and many of the giants are, have grown up and, and are able to. Uh, I mean, after all, if your pacemaker gets hacked and it turns off and you die. How's that different from a defective car? I mean, and and really, uh, the book was fascinating because we, we ought to stop talking about the IT system. It's both the IT and the OT systems we're dealing with. Could you could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think that you know a lot of security is is not really a technology problem. It's really a people problem. And you know, I start off talking about the target breach in the book. Um, and when we discussed that, you know, one of the interesting things there was uh, the they had software to detect the breach, and the breach was not done with a sophisticated way, it, and the software actually detected it. But it was the humans who ignored the blinking red lights. They just, uh, let, you know, just weren't paying attention. Uh, and we need to think about, you know, how do we address the human factor? Because that's where a lot of the vulnerabilities are. And we need to be realistic about how uh, we can uh, deal with human behavior. Because um, a lot of times the current way is we ask the impossible of people, uh, remember all these passwords, have a unique password for a thousand different websites and change it all the time and 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 give it all these 
special characters and it can't be anything memorable um don't write it down and 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 we we also have them do all sorts of inconvenient things that we know they're ultimately not going to you know why are going to find end runs around we we know what people are going to do and but yet it's just easy to kind of give them this standard advice and then when they mess up then we blame them oh look at that fool they selected a stupid password oh my gosh look at this this idiot clicked on this link and and we definitely want them to improve. We want people to select good passwords. But if we think that we're going to rely on the fact that we're going to get every employee at a company with 100,000 employees to do all this perfectly, I, I think then, you know, we're really fooling ourselves to think that, that that's likely to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not uh, we- human nature. We've, we've seen uh, actions of the Biden administration, for example, Executive Order 14028 in 2021. And uh, uh, we've seen the uh, White House issue a blueprint for an AI, artificial intelligence, Bill of Rights, that in essence are now saying that all federal agencies ought to push down throughout the supply chain, the enormous supply chain that sells to the federal government requirements for software safety, for zero trust architecture, for attention to critical uh, infrastructure. So we're beginning to see this. So are you optimistic that the overemphasis on data breach alone is is beginning to turn? Well, I definitely see encouraging signs. Um, I, I don't think I'd say optimistic because I think that that's a little strong. Um, I would say encouraging that they're moving away from some of these old approaches that are not working to trying to really push more standards and and more preventative type of measures. I think that that's good. Um, I still think we have a long way to go. Uh, and I think that, you know, just some of the basic, um, uh, you know, I think we definitely need to broaden our focus on the actors that are, um, you know, responsible for this. I mean, definitely going uh, to uh, vendors is, is great, but we're still dealing with companies that could be subject to a breach, that, you know, but we still need to think about, you know, the uh, software manufacturers. We need to think about the way that companies go about miseducating people, w- which is the, the problem I spoke about where companies will, will you know, send out, uh, you know, emails that essentially teach people how to be vulnerable to phishing. It undermines good training, which is very frustrating uh, because you know, it, it, it's hard to train people when then uh, you know there's all these confusing mixed messages that are sent to them every day. Be a good training uh, that, manual for hackers, also. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, no, you know, all, all these things are, are are teaching people to do things that they. Yeah, and, and the law does this, right? You know, you have like the, you know, the Can Spam Act, right? You have to click a link in an email to unsubscribe to email, and it'll say safe unsubscribe under it, which it's like, oh, if it's, so a hacker is like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll send you a junk email and put safe unsubscribe on it. And you click the link. And just because the hack, it says safe doesn't mean it is safe. But, you know, people are trained and accustomed to clicking these things. In fact, that's what the law wants. But, you know, when you, when you do that, that that's a great, entry point for a hacker to 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 fool somebody so there there's a lot of things that the law does even that opens the door to even make it more likely that there could be uh security problems i mean another you know the law does you know it requires everyone to keep 
you know, these, um, uh, you know, W-9 forms and, and, and other forms for, for, you know, the IRS is just focused on collecting its, its taxes. But, you know, all the people keeping these forms, you know, keeping people's social security numbers and their personal information all, yeah. without any security at all. And, and it's creating, a, I think, a tremendous security vulnerability right there. And, and and there are ways that they could limit the use of the social security number, which I think is misused whenever it's used in any way to authenticate identity. I think that should be restricted and banned. Um, that would take the sting out of the social security number. And so then if there's a breach, um, it's less harmful if the social security number can't be used as a way to open up new accounts in people's name or break into people's accounts. So we could neutralize it. Uh, if if the law, you know, wanted to do that, just doesn't seem to want to do that, uh, and so that number now becomes a uh, a major harm when it's breached. Uh, but that's a product of the law. Actually, a lot of times I think the law makes the problem worse by some of the requirements that the law has. Your book, uh, more than ever, has uh, to me. We've got to discard this kind of disjunction between data privacy and cybersecurity, as though they're two separate things. They're not. Data security is part of achieving data privacy, not just a personal data, but of, uh, of the greatest secrets in the world about nuclear weapons and everything else. It's, it's really a subset uh, security is of data privacy if we want the level we all want. Well, Daniel, any concluding remarks? Well, I think on that front, I definitely think privacy, I think, you know, the privacy and security point is a key point that I make in the book. I think there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, both privacy and security go hand in hand. And and some of the things that are, are, are good for privacy are really good for security. And, and one key thing we, we mentioned in the book is data minimization, that, uh, you know, a key uh, privacy principle uh, that a lot of laws have, but ultimately are not enforcing strong enough, uh, strongly enough is, is um, data minimization. You know, don't collect unnecessary data. Don't keep data that when you don't need it anymore. Uh, this means that if there's a breach, there's a lot less damaging data to be had for a hacker. Right. Um, on on and, data minimization, we see it as a principle within the EU, a basic principle, part of the regulation binding throughout more people than live in the United States. But in the United States, even in the sectoral laws we have about data privacy, you just don't see it. And we live in a country where data now is the new gold, we're told this, and there are data brokers making very good fortunes, uh, mining our data and using it. So good point. Well, Daniel, thank you very much. Now, you must read this book if you care about data privacy and want to learn the latest uh, It's and data security as a subset. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. As always, I will remind us all, protecting your personal data begins with you. <laughs>